Amen, amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the anointing. We thank you for your presence. We know, Lord, that we are changed from glory to glory, changed into your image as we receive the word of God and we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit. We ask you, Lord, to speak to every heart, not only those that are in this room, but those who are watching online and those who will watch or hear this recording. I believe, Lord, for impartations from the Holy Spirit to bring us revelation and insight that's appropriate, that's timely, that's simple but powerful. In Jesus' name, we ask for that utterance and thank you for it in advance. Amen. 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 Open your Bibles with me this morning, please, to the book of Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. God made an interesting statement uh, as he was in the process of, um, well, actually had created all the earth, and on the sixth day he created man. And, of course, we know that God doesn't do anything in a half-baked fashion. God doesn't do anything that isn't good. And so it's kind of a, a good question to ask, why would he make man alone and then later make the woman? And why would he make this statement then in verse 18 of Genesis chapter 2? And the Lord God said, it is not good. You know, if you're familiar with the early part of Genesis, you know the phrase good and very good. He saw that it was good. Here he says, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet, that's old English meaning fitting for him. We're talking about family, a God idea. We started last Sunday and uh, I don't think that we will turn this into two or three months we're always open to the Holy Spirit. So it's a little bit of an overview of some things concerning family, concerning um, what it means to God and how important it is to God. But I do want to mention to you that I believe that you could agree with me that God always knew that he was going to create a woman. Thank you, Matt. He always knew that man would establish an earthly family. But the first thing that God wanted to establish with man, and it's true today with every individual here, man or woman, is a relationship with himself first. That's first priority in all our lives. If it's not your first priority, you're going to have problems because you'll be out of the order of God. Now, if we don't want to stay in God's order, if we don't like that thought, if we think there's a better way and we know more than God, then you'll have to take that up with him. I'm just reporting the news to you today. In the order of God, in the priority of God, always he is first in your life. First. That doesn't mean you can't love your wife or your husband properly. That doesn't mean you can't and won't love your children properly or honor your parents or respect your neighbors. That's not what it's about. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was asked what was the greatest commandment in the law, he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, 
And he went on to say, thy neighbor as thyself. So the law of love is the supreme law of the kingdom of God. It always was, it is, and it always will be. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 talks about he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. You know, uh, if you are something, then that means it permeates your entire being. The Bible never says God has love. It doesn't talk about God using love when it's convenient for him. It says he is love. So there's nothing that God ever does, nothing God ever says, that's outside of love. Now that might be at times difficult for some people to comprehend when they read their Bible and they see some of the things that God said had to be done. Or when they even think about the, the terms of eternal existence and how there is a heaven and there is a hell. Lots of times people have problems about that, wondering how that God is love and all that, all that happens. But you have to understand that in the grand scheme of things, man decides whether he goes to heaven or hell. Man decides whether or not he serves the Lord. Man decides whether or not he loves the Lord in return for the love that God has shown. In the... Uh, In terms of of who did what and who did the most, nobody has ever done more to manifest their love to you than God has already done. He loves you more than your mom loves you. How many of you know that's a lot? He loves you more than your spouse loves you. He loves you more than your babies love you. He is love. And what we see uh, in creation is that God wanted a family. That's what, that's what humankind is about. That's why the earth was created. So his fam- you know, the earth is God's family room. It's God's place that he can hang out with his kids. One of these days, the Bible tells us, there will come down out of heaven a new Jerusalem. That this earth we're presently living on will be renovated by fire. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. And now when believers leave this body, they go to be with the Lord. But the picture of the millennium is the Lord coming to live with us. And so church, we've got company coming. (laughs) Amen. Amen. We've got company coming. And uh, we want to have a full house to celebrate the coming of the Lord. That's why we're going to all the world, preaching the gospel to every creature. That's why we believe the Great Commission is so relevant. Because we want to have the most people possible ready to meet the Lord. God wanted a family. That's what humankind was about. God wanted a family. Let's go to the book of... um, Ephesians, please, chapter 3. I know some of these uh, passages we looked at last time, but as we usually do in these kinds of teachings, we kind of come back and go over things, pick up things that, uh, that we didn't get to the last time. And, you know, a lot of times uh, it's not, you know, in those situations there are times when it's not just that, that, I, did, that I forgot to say something or that even that the Lord didn't lead me to say it, but there are times whenever 
between one Sunday to the next, I've learned something. Who says you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Amen. And so I want to bring to you all that, that the Lord wants me to bring to you and share with you these great truths. But in, um, in Hebrew, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, Paul begins to say, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice he, he refers to God as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things about family you need to understand is that it is based on uh, headship. There is always a father in a family, a true family. Uh, there's great attacks on fatherhood, great attacks on motherhood, great attacks on traditional what we call nuclear families today. But that doesn't change anything in the Word. I hope you understand that TikTok is not Scripture. I hope you understand that uh, Facebook is not the gospel. Uh, so-called social influencers who for the life of me I can't figure out what they ever did to make them influential some of them Uh, anyway I I could really go off there but I'll I'll try to stay on track Uh, those are not the people you need to be listening to and looking to as examples and it's amazing to me, it's a human uh, weakness. Uh, I think everybody has to be careful of this, but it's really, it's really strange how that people can have a degree of success in a particular area. Maybe it is in entertainment, or maybe it's in um, the business world. They, you know, they make a lot of money, build a great company, or uh, you know, some other area, they're, they're very intellectual, they have a reputation for... You know, thinking deep thoughts. They're one of those deep sheep people, you know, and, and uh, people, when they speak, people listen. It, but it's amazing to me how that when somebody can have success in one area, they think somehow that that entitles them to spout off opinions about everything else. You know, just because you're born with a pretty face and they want to put you in a movie doesn't make you a political expert or, or a philosopher and it sure doesn't make you a preacher. And, uh, you know, so how we get off on these things. But anyway, the <laughs> God wanted this family. And, and so in the beginning, the original family was God, Adam, and Eve. We think about Adam and Eve, the first married couple, and they were But the family was not just Adam and Eve. The family was God and Adam and Eve. We learned last week from Ecclesiastes chapter 4 how that, you know, if one falls, you know, by himself, you know, he don't have anybody to help him up, two in the bed, make heat and all that stuff. And a threefold cord is not uh, easily broken. The idea jumps from two to three just in the middle of the verse or toward the end of the verse, I guess, technically. And that idea is important because the whole thing in human relationships is the the intention of God originally. And always the closer you can get back to God's original intent, the better off you're going to be. The more blessed, the more simple, the more prosperous you're going to be. But the original intent of God was that he's always there in every relationship. He's always that third strand of a cord that makes it strong. He's the third strand of the marriage cord. He's you and your child, your grandchild. He's the third strand. He's the one that can provide the super for all your natural and cause you to live a life that goes beyond what normal people, we might say, live into the realm of covenant living and blessed living and Holy Ghost filled living. 
And so, God is our Father. Can you say amen? amen? Now, I know, as I said last week, I think it's worth repeating and reiterating today, you know, there, there's this whole saying that's come into vogue over the last 40, 50 years or so, uh, you know, the fatherhood of God in the brotherhood of man. And we understand that we all came from one man, Adam, and one woman, Eve. And that isn't really hard to understand. Amen. We all came from the same place. And so in a sense, there is a, a human connection between all of us, whether we're in America or whether we're in the islands of the sea or we're in uh, Europe or Asia or Africa or South America, wherever we may be. But the truth is, God's original family included a spiritual component that when that was marred, when that was ruined through the fall, when that tie, that spiritual tie was cut, that spiritual umbilical cord, you might say, when that was cut in the fall, then, then Adam and Eve found themselves outside. And though maybe physically there is a natural fatherhood of God and a brotherhood of man, it doesn't apply to the spiritual unless you're born again. So today, as we talk about family, we're talking about three different areas of family. Number one, we're talking about the family talked about here in Ephesians 3, the family of God. Notice what the verse says, verse 15, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The family of God is all the redeemed of the Lord. Some of the family are, some of them are already in heaven. Probably most everybody in here has somebody already gone to heaven that you know and that you love and have loved and known in your lifetime. They may be a physical blood relative or they may just be uh, somebody else that's not necessarily so close kin to you physically, but they're, they're part of your life. And God calls all the redeemed from the Old Testament era all the way through to the new. He calls them his family. Some of them in heaven, some of them are on the earth. And then there is... We learned last week from John 8.44, and we're not going to turn to all these verses, but in John 8.44, Jesus made a very harsh statement to the people of his day that were hypocritical and that weren't right with God. He said, you are of your father, the devil. Now, no sinner wants to hear that. And I wouldn't encourage you to start your conversations with him with that verse. You know, I would not encourage you to go up and go down the, the hallways of a of a store or a mall or a theater or somewhere and say, you know, are you born again? Do you know Jesus? And they say no. And then say, well, you're of the, your father of the devil. That's probably not a good witnessing tool. But Jesus needed to rebuke those hypocrites. And so that's what he said. That's what he said to them. You are of your father the devil. So there is a family of the devil. There's a family of the devil. Some of them are on earth, and some of them are in hell. The family of God, some of us are on earth, and some of us are in heaven. And then, just out of the goodness of God's heart, just out of the perfection of God's thinking, he gave to man the ability to have his own little family. 
to create his own little world. And so that's what Adam and Eve were about. It was the intent of God that they would start their family and their family would increase. And over time, through the great law that he gave to them right in the early days, uh, the law of sowing and reaping, that they would expand the Garden of Eden because it didn't cover the entire planet. It was very adequate. But the plan would be that it would continue to increase. It would continue through sowing and reaping and through the, the uh, growth of the human race, that it would just continue to expand and expand and expand. And uh, when you read about the coming kingdom of Jesus upon the earth, the great millennial kingdom, and you read about all the abundance and all the blessing and all the good things, you're going to see basically that, that it's Eden restored. Perfect climate perfect growing conditions, healthy, strong, well bodies. I mean, it's just going to be great. No dying, no sighing, and no crying. <laughs> Hallelujah. Won't that be great? So family was always God's intent. It always will be his intent, but it was interrupted through the fall. Now you're in Ephesians. Go back to chapter 2. This is where we left off last time. In Ephesians chapter 2, we get a picture of a story of we get a picture of what our condition was as a fallen individual. So what we're getting ready to read about are some verses that detail what it what it's like to be in the family of the devil. What it's like to be without Jesus, what it's like what what it's like to not know the Lord. So he's going to contrast the present condition to the former condition. We're going to read a number of verses. So if you'll just follow along, or if you wish, you just listen and let this kind of soak in and think about what you're hearing. Verse 1, chapter 2 of Ephesians. And you hath he quickened, and that's an old English word meaning made alive, who were dead, were dead. Aren't you glad that's past tense for us? In trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past... You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the, what's the word? Children. Notice family. The children of disobedience. Among whom also, and so Paul is writing to Christians, and so that's why he's referring to this as past tense for us. Among whom also we all had. Our conversation. Now that's Old English again, and, and that means manner of living. It includes your conversations, but it's basically referring to your lifestyle, the way you live. Among whom also we all had our conversation and our lifestyle. In times past, in the lusts of our flesh. That is the uh, common denominator of a non-born again person. Is at the end of the day, sooner or later, it's all about what they feel like doing. It's all about what their flesh wants. It's all about fulfilling their lusts. And sometimes, you know, uh, in, ch in the church world, we hear the word lust, and everybody always goes to that whole aspect of sexual sin and immorality. And it, of course, includes that. But lusts, uh, the word lust means strong desire. I'm sure I've lusted after a cheeseburger before. I don't think that's a death penalty sin, by the way. But uh, it's strong desire. You get up in the morning. Some of you, have a, you lust for coffee. 
Well, the whole point that he's making here is the unregenerate, the unborn again person does not set priorities and parameters in their life to keep them protected and safe from the, the plans and the strategies of the devil. But what they do is they just, if they feel like it, they go for it. And that can include any number of things to the point of very unclean and unnatural and perverted things all the way to just, you know, digging your grave with your fork to whatever. Lust of your flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And you notice that there's a connection between your flesh and your mind. And that's why all those commercials are out there. That's why all that advertisement is out there. Because they want, to, they want to first bombard your mind. And your mind reminds you, hmm, I believe I do want one of those. I believe I am hungry. You know, or whatever the case may be. And so, you know, that's why, uh, you know, even people that don't know anything about this verse, there are people who have mastered the art of, uh, of uh, appealing to people's uh, the, the, the lusts and the desires of their flesh and of their mind. That's what advertisement is about. You remember the Marlboro Man? Some of you are too young to remember the days of good TV. But anyway, near, 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 you know, that guy, he's riding his horse and smoking his cigarette, you know, looks so cool. So cool. Of course, he died with lung cancer. The real Marlboro Man died with lung cancer. But anyway, he looked cool for a while. But see, they, they mastered that. They mastered that. And I think what's really sad, I just have to go here, so forgive me, indulge me for a moment. But I think what's really sad is today, we don't have the Marlboro Man. But what we have a lot of today is, talk to your doctor about so-and-so. In other words, let, the devil's saying, let me invite you to have this disease. Let me invite you to never get well. Always need the pharmaceuticals to keep yourself alive. You know? And look at all of these medical things I've got at no cost to me. Let me sell you some insurance. Amen. That's, that's my rant for today. My rant for today. But there's a connection. And when it comes to sin, real sin, this is a powerful thing. You see something or you see someone or a thought comes to mind, a situation comes to mind. You always have a choice. Do I continue to feed this thing or do I cast it down with words? That's the only way you deal with thoughts successfully. You never fight thoughts with more thoughts. That's a loser's game. But you can sure enough fight a thought with a word. You can turn your mind in a different direction by, by choosing right words. Job said, how forcible are right words. And man, that's the truth. So anyway, uh, we need to understand that this is very important to us. And so he goes on to say that uh, we all had our manner of living in time past and the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. But God, aren't you glad that's in there? But God, those powerful prepositions of the New Testament. Amen. In, for, but, through, those kinds of words 
tied with God or tied with Christ, it, it reveals a whole new world to you if you go through your Bible and look at those. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened or made us alive together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Aren't you glad to be saved? And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's why we make such a big deal about being uh, seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. That's not just religious jargon. That's not just cliche. That's scripture. So this is where I pray from. I'm not under the circumstances hoping God hears me. I'm seated next to him with Christ in heavenly places. I've got his ear. He told me, come boldly to the throne of grace. And I'm going to do it. How about you? That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. Amen. How many of you know God doesn't make junk? We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And then he takes us back again. He takes us back on this journey back to remember. Verse 11. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh. In other words, non-Jewish people. No covenant. No knowledge of God. No relationship with God. Who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time, here's what we want to really begin to focus on. That at that time, you were without Christ. Now, this is what it's like to not be in the family of God. You were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. In other words, we had no right to the covenant. We had no right to be among covenant people enjoying the blessings of covenant. Aliens from the covenant of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. And this is such a sad statement. And this is true of every person you know that's not saved. What we're getting ready to read is true about every person you know and even those you love and care about who don't know Christ. Having no hope and without God in the world. To not have a covenant, to not be in Christ, to not be in God's family, is to be hopeless and helpless and homeless, spiritually speaking. And then he comes back again as he's already done before. We read him a few moments ago. But now, aren't you glad for the but? Now, in Christ Jesus, you who, some, who sometimes were far off, are made nigh or near or close by the blood of Christ. So it's through the shed blood of Jesus. So if you, you can understand why the devil wants to take away all the mention and emphasis and preaching and teaching and singing and everything about the blood out of the church because it's only through the blood that we are redeemed. It's only through the blood there is remission of sins. It's only through the blood that we're able to come into the family. We are blood relatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't say physical, but through the blood of Jesus Christ applied to our lives, he is now our elder brother. And the word tells us that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. Meaning that everything Jesus is an heir to, 
I'm an heir to. You are an heir to. He doesn't have one thing that's not available to you. And so when you think about Jesus, you think about him in his majesty and his glory. You think about him with all power and authority, every demon and devil under his feet. You think about the place and position that he holds and think about this when you do. You are seated with him. Why would we be afraid of the devil? Why would we be afraid of death? Why would we allow anything to hold us in any kind of bondage spiritually, mentally, physically, socially, or financially? When we are in Christ, we are the family of God. Hallelujah. We walk this earth unlike other men and women. We're in the family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? I think we ought to take a moment and just thank him for a moment. Just praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, we're not who we used to be. We're not bound in sin any longer. We've been made a new creature in Christ Jesus. We're alive in him. We've been raised up and made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ. We are in the family. Hallelujah. We're called by that worthy and lovely and majestic name. And we're, we have a right to use the name of Jesus. Satan is defeated. Jesus is exalted. He is Lord. And we are in him and he is in us. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. 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 Ha, ha, ha. Hey, hey. Ha, 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 Hey, the devil doesn't want you to know that. The devil doesn't want you to believe it. He doesn't want you to say it and decree it and declare it. And he doesn't want you to live like it's so. But it's true. God so loved you that he gave. And that's what Jesus' coming was all about. It was to rescue the family. God sent our elder brother to get us out of bondage. He, he sent our elder brother to come and rescue us from the hand of the enemy. The devil had held us in his clutches. He'd held us in bondage. He'd held us in darkness. He'd held us in sin. He'd held us in the fear of death all of our lives. And Jesus came, praise God, and he rescued us from the hand of the enemy. He redeemed us with his own blood, called us by his name. And now when the devil rears his ugly head against us, it's always Jesus that he has to overcome. So when you stand firm in the faith of God Almighty and in the Word of God and use the name of Jesus, you put the devil to flight. You stop him in his tracks. He's not welcome. He's not allowed. Just take your place. Take your place. Hallelujah. You don't have to take a back seat to any spirit or any demon or any activity. I know the world's gone crazy. A lot of things are going on out there. Every generation thought their world was crazy. Every generation got to the place where some of them decided, I'd rather go home and stay here. That just seems to be common and normal in a fallen world. But I'm telling you, one of these days, that's coming to an end. One of these days, hallelujah, Jesus is going to rule and reign on this earth, and you and I are going to rule and reign with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's going to get better. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'll just continue reading from verse 13 now. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain, that's of Jew and Gentile, of, of uh, Old Testament saint and New Testament saint, one new man, 
so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you. See, that's what the gospel's about. The gospel is not God is mad at you. God's got some heavenly fly swatter just ready to pounce on you. No, that's about preaching peace. To you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. For through him, that's through Jesus, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. You see, when you really begin to understand that, it will make your prayer life different because you'll realize I'm not praying out of duty. And I'm not praying just in some hope that I might be heard or something might happen. But no, I really have access. There's going to be a real conversation when I pray. There is somebody listening. And if I'll listen, there's somebody talking. Amen. Hallelujah. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the what? Household of God. That's family. Family of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself, <coughs> excuse me, being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation. That's a house. You know, a family needs a house. Family needs somewhere to live. And God wants to... First of all, to live in you. And habitation of God through the Spirit. You can't get any closer to God than being His very own child and Him living in you. I understand sometimes what we mean when people say, I want to walk closely or somebody walks close to God. We understand they're talking about fellowship they're talking about a mind renewed to who they are and what they have in Christ, taking advantages of their, taking advantage rather of their rights and privileges in Christ. We understand that. But the fact is, God is already in you if you're born again. He's there. We need to become God inside minded. We need to be aware as we walk and talk and live day by day by day that the greater one is on the inside of us. And greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. Father, I want to thank you today for your precious word. I want to thank you for the anointing. I want to thank you for the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in this room today. Lord, we know that you want to bless today just as much as you have ever wanted to bless. That today is not a day of there's no off-seasons in the kingdom. But you're always ready to bring blessing and increase to your children. Lord, there might be those here today that need spiritual help. They may need to be born again. There are others who may need to make a rededication, a recommitment to you. There might be those here today, Lord, that are suffering in their body physically with pain or sickness of some kind. There might be others, Lord, that just don't know how they're going to solve a particular problem. It might be a relational issue, a family issue. It might be something on the job or their business. I don't know. But, Father, I believe you this morning. 
to minister to every heart. To minister to every heart. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, I want you to think with me. Have you ever been held by somebody who loved you? Somebody who was not judging you at that moment? They weren't scolding you. They just loved you. They realized who you are. They realized and knew something about your limitations, but they loved you anyway. If you've ever had a good marriage, you know about that. If you've ever had a good parent, you know about that. Well, I want to tell you, God is the greatest. There's no greater father. There's no one who loves you more. So right now, just while you're sitting in his presence, why don't you give that, whatever that may be, that mess, that problem, that habit, that addiction, that stronghold that you've battled, give all that over to the Lord and just ask him, Lord, cleanse me. Cleanse me afresh with the blood of Jesus, the precious blood of Jesus. I take my place because I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. I believe he died for me, not for his own sake, but for mine. And I accept that, and I believe that with my heart, and I confess Jesus as my Lord. And I ask you right now, Lord, to cleanse me, make me new. And with all that out of the way, I can expect that you're going to tell me what to do. You're going to show me your guidance. You're going to help me. And we're going to go on as a family. I'm not separated. I'm not outside. I'm inside. And I'm willing to receive your correction because you are a father and you're a good father. I'm willing to submit and surrender my will to yours because I know you know what's best and I know you have a good plan for me. So I do that now in Jesus' name. And if you're dealing with something physically, just, just tell the Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. Maybe, maybe there's a physical adjustment that would make a great difference. Maybe there's some things that need to be changed that will affect you even physically. But whatever the case may be, His healing power is supernatural. So in the name of Jesus, Lord, we speak healing to the bodies of the sick here today. I come into agreement with my brothers and sisters that we will live long, we will live strong, and we will live well on the earth. I come into agreement with each one that we will finish and fulfill our course. When we do go home, we're going with victory. It'll be a promotion. But in the meantime, We'll walk with health and strength all the days of our life here on this planet. Lord, I pray for those who are in trouble in their relationships. Maybe a marriage is on the rocks, as we say. Maybe something else, maybe a wayward child. Somebody that they have loved and been close to that they are now estranged from. I don't know. Father, show us how to love properly. That's so much a part of family, Lord. We'll get to it hopefully in another, another session, but help us, Lord, to manifest your love, to do what's best for other people. Even if it costs me something, 
even if it inconveniences me, even if it's not what my flesh wants to do, and most of all, even if it's not what they deserve, help me to do what's best for them. Help me to walk in love and to walk in forgiveness. In the name of Jesus. Sing something, Nick. Let's worship the Lord for a moment before we go today.